What is? What is? What is? What is biblical counseling? Biblical counseling will grow you from brokenness to wholeness. The light bulbs are going off in my head. <laughs> this is like deep. I just haven't thought of it that way. It's mind blowing to me. I don't know if I've ever had anybody put it that plainly to me before. All this time I've been going to church, this never resonated with me. This is Transformed. And now your host, Assistant Professor of Biblical Counseling at the Masters University and Certified Biblical Counselor, Dr. Greg Gifford. Welcome back to Transformed. My name is Dr. Greg Gifford, and I have the privilege of being your host for this show, also for the TV series that perhaps you've seen so far, where we are demonstrating biblical counseling, what it looks like in the real world. Today, we're continuing a series, and our episode today is talking about what it means to be a man and not a woman. To be honest, this series is a lot of fun for me because it is quite enjoyable to think through who God has called us to be as men and then to challenge men to rise to that expectation. But all along, I've done my best not to impose cultural expectations of manhood. I want to be careful that I don't communicate that men all need to drive trucks and wear camouflage and love NASCAR or whatever it is that your culture would say a man should be. I've done my best to focus on what the Bible says a man is, and that's primarily character traits. So yeah, your body does inform manhood the way that God has created you because he formed us. We didn't form ourselves, Psalm 100 verse 3. But we know that God actually calls us to pursue character and to act like men, 1 Corinthians 16. So I've tried to focus there, to press the accelerator there and say, hey men, this is what it looks like for us to be godly men. You may recall the first thing that I said is that we're courageous, we're bold, that we act knowing God is with us. Secondarily, we are pure. We treat women purely. We think purely. We frame our lives in a way that is pure and upright. Last episode, I said we are honorable to women. To be a man means that you understand that a woman is your peer and you respect her as such. You don't speak down to her. You don't belittle her. You don't inwardly think she can't do it because she's a woman. No, she's completely capable. She is a peer in Christ and perhaps even better at you than life and skills and certain things. So you treat a woman honorably. Today, I want to talk about a man is proactive. A man is proactive. And if you have your Bible, let's actually go back to Genesis chapter 3. Proactive manhood is important because from the very beginning, we see that there is a distortion. When Adam is giving in to sinful tendencies, when he disobeys the Lord, he first, he does disobey the Lord. That's very clear. But not only does he disobey the Lord, but he actually fails to take initiative and to do the right thing. When God comes to the garden, Genesis chapter 3, the text says they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees. But the Lord called to the man and said to him, where are you? That's an interesting concept. We know that Eve actually also took of the fruit, but whenever God came to the garden, he said to the man, where are you? There's an emphasis on leadership that is going to continue throughout the scripture. The husband is to be the leader of his wife, not the domineering leader, not the dictator of his wife, but he's to be a leader. So when we look at the trouble here, it's that 
now a husband did not lead his wife and Adam failed to lead his wife correctly. He failed to take initiative and be proactive. And there's a breakdown in his leadership as a man. See, when we have a breakdown in leadership as a man or we are passive, if I'm going to use the opposite of proactive or passive, we're consistently lacking to take initiative. Proactivity is where we see what needs to be done and we take the initiative to do it. We're proactive. We don't need someone else to remind us. We don't need someone else to ride us to get it done or micromanage us. Hey, do you have it done yet? Do you have it done yet? Our boss keeps coming back into our office and we're like, nope, nope, almost there. Oh yeah. Oh wait. Oh, hang on. Yep. A man is unmanly when he has to be micromanaged. Man is unmanly. He's not taking initiative and being proactive. I'm going to give you an illustration. And anytime I experience this with my 18 to 22 year old students here at Masters, inwardly it makes my stomach churn just a little bit when I have a 20, 21 year old male student whose mom is contacting me about his academic performance. I think to myself, that young man needs to be more proactive. He needs to step up his game a little bit. The reason he needs to step up his game is because his mom is tempted to step in and maybe be a little more involved than she should. And he needs to take initiative, see what needs to be done and act so that his mom doesn't have that temptation. Sure, it's possible that mom may have that temptation regardless, but if you're taking proactive steps, then mom doesn't fear about you. If you're a 21-year-old man and your mom is having to help you manage your life, there's a problem. There is a problem. And I would say you're acting in a way that is unmanly because you're not being proactive. Most of you agree with that. Yeah, there's something the matter with that, Dr. Gifford. If a 21-year-old man has his mom managing his life for him, there's a problem. What is the problem? The problem is that man is not being proactive and taking initiative. Passivity is when you consistently lack initiative. Note, being passive, the antithesis of being proactive, it doesn't mean that you are always the one to act first. Let me see if I can explain this. There is a couple of instances in scripture that puzzle me at times. The wedding at Cana is one, John chapter two, where there is a problem and Mary comes to Jesus and says, hey, what you going to do about this? And Jesus says, it's not the time. Like my time has not come yet. But then he does actually act. Jesus is not always the first to act, but we know that he is the perfect example of proactive leadership and being proactive, taking initiative. Again, in Mark chapter four, Jesus is asleep in the, in the boat. And as a storm overcomes the sea of Galilee and begins to scare the disciples, he doesn't wake up. They have to come wake him up. Just because you are not the first to act, it doesn't mean that you're passive. In fact, there is wisdom in not being the first to act. Whenever you're a proactive male, a man who is taking initiative, it doesn't mean you're the first to volunteer for everything. It doesn't mean you're the first to speak up or the first to act. Jesus gives us examples where he wasn't the first to act, and that by no means makes him passive. Passivity is when we consistently lack initiative, that we knew we should have done something that we didn't do. So let me give you two overarching categories for passivity. Passivity is knowing what to do and not doing it, number one. You should have stepped in. You should have said something. An example of this as a dad is when my son, an older son, if he were to get lippy with my wife, 
I know that I need to step into that situation and say, hey, man, check it out. I'm going to break you. No, that's not what I say. It's, hey, man, listen, you're talking to my wife and your mom and you need to show the respect that is due to her, even if you disagree with what she's saying right now. But if I'm like, dude, don't care, trying to leave, trying to avoid conflict, trying to get out the door, I don't hear this, blah, 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 then I know what I need to do and I'm not doing it. Luke 12 is an example of a parable where Jesus describes servants that are disobedient, but disobedient in different ways. One of the the forms of disobedience is that the servant knew what to do and did not do it, this overt rebellion. And it does bring greater consequence. So that first form of passivity is where you know what to do. You should have made the phone call. You should have put the job application. And you know you should have done it and you didn't do it. Okay, yeah, I am perhaps being passive. The next is where I don't know what to do, and thus I don't do it. Some of us as men are frozen in what to do. We don't know how to best lead our wife on this occasion. We don't know how to best parent our kids on this occasion. We don't know the best decision to make financially here. We don't know the best decision for our business. And we need to grow in skills or we need to grow in biblical knowledge of what the Lord would have us do or what is a wise decision to make here. So we don't know what to do, thus we're not doing it. Both would be examples of passivity. And also know, even if I don't know what to do, I am still responsible to do it. (laughs) I still need to learn. As a man, I can never hide behind the fact, I don't know. I don't know. It's a 12-year-old's mind. How am I going to crack that egg? I can't hide behind any excuse. If God has called me to do this thing, I must not give in to passivity. I must take initiative. So I have to be proactive. We're going to take a short commercial break. And when we come back, I'm going to do my best to provide further scripture and practical examples of how men can be proactive. We'll be right back. Well, we are at the halfway point of this week's episode of Transformed. Dr. Gibbard's been discussing the importance of proactive manhood. And before we get back to the show, I want to tell you about a resource that we have available on our website, transformed.org. When people are big and God is small. It's by Ed Welch, and it's an excellent resource that will help you grow in your walk with God. Here's a quote from the book that I want you to just kind of marinate on and then decide if you want to pick it up. Quote, our hearts are theaters where the fear of man is performed. We're more concerned about what others think of us than what God thinks of us. Now, that sounds like a simple quote that you've heard a million times before. I want you to sit with it and think about it for the next few minutes, and then I want you to go to Transform org and pick up when people are big and God is small by Ed Welch. Now, while you're there at transform.org browsing our website, I would humbly ask you to also consider partnering with our ministry to become an ongoing monthly gospel partner because it's your support, your help that enables us to continue producing Transformed. To learn more about becoming a gospel partner, you'll find all of the information at transformed.org. And also, while you're there, let me just say this as well. If you've been thinking about considering kicking around the idea of maybe possibly training to become a biblical counselor, first of all, thank you. 
We cannot have enough well-trained biblical counselors in our churches. One of those resources that I would recommend to you is David Pallison's Seeing with New Eyes. One of the quotes that he says in the book is, God's Word provides the lens through which we can understand people and their problems. Our task is to help others see their lives through the clarifying lens of Scripture and in doing so, guide them toward lasting change. Biblical counseling is not about slapping a Band-Aid on your issue or slapping some medication on it until you come back next week and we do it all over again. No, biblical counseling is about helping you see who you really are through the lens of Scripture, and that helps you not just put a temporary fix on your issues, but to completely transform them. Seeing with New Eyes by David Pallison is a great start into becoming a biblical counselor. Pick it up at transformed.org. Now, one last thing. If you yourself are facing some struggles, or maybe you have somebody in your life that's facing struggles, don't hesitate to reach out to Dr. Greg Gifford. You can send him an email directly at greg at transformed.org, and you might hear him answer your question on a future episode of Transformed. And also remember, it's okay to remain anonymous. With that said, now let's return to Dr. Greg Gifford and continue digging and diving in to proactive manhood. Welcome back to Transform. The Bible would tell us that OCD is not a disorder. It is the fruit of wrong believing and wrong theology. And now your host, Dr. Greg Gifford. Okay, welcome back. We've been talking about what it means to be a man and manly men or proactive men. There is something unbecoming about a 21-year-old man who has his mom managing his life. Wouldn't you agree? Now, the reality is that when a man lacks to take initiative and he lacks proactivity, there is a fundamental breakdown of what God has called him to be. Let me see if I can convince you of this from the scripture. First of all, when I started this series, I said 1 Corinthians 16 uses a phrase, act like men. That's a reference to being bold. You could actually misappropriate that because Paul was saying that to a mixed congregation of men and women, and he was saying, be courageous. For you to act like a man, that means you're being courageous. But embedded in that is that you have to act. You have to take action. It takes initiative to act. It, it means that I can't be idle. I can't see what needs to be done and not do it. I must act. Consider this, that a husband is called to be the spiritual leader. And the spiritual leader is not the dictator, as I said earlier. He is not the one that does everything in the family, but he's the one to take initiative. What was the problem with Adam in his distorted role? It was that he failed to be a godly leader. A husband's also called to love his wife and to take initiative in loving. In fact, if there is no love in his marriage, Wayne Mack once said, he said, then the husband needs to be the one to take initiative. So if a marriage is souring, whose responsibility is it to step up their game? Husband, single men, 1 Corinthians 7 says that you are to have undivided attention and devotion to the Lord that you're not to let your hobbies dominate you, you're not to let your entertainment dominate you, that you are to invest yourself in the kingdom. 
You serve the Lord actively. You're taking initiative to use your gifts. If you are a single man who fritters away his time with entertainment and hobbies and is not investing in the kingdom, you're not investing in the things of the Lord and serving other people, then you're not demonstrating the initiative that God's called you to take. Other examples in scripture are 1 Timothy 5. And I'm going to do an entire episode on what it means to be a hard worker. But in particular, 1 Timothy 5, Paul puts the onus on men to be the provider. He says, if any man does not provide for his household, technically he says anyone, and then the pronoun is masculine, for his household, he's worse than an unbeliever. He's abandoned the faith. A man is to be a provider. A man is to be a protector. Men are called to be spiritual leaders and spiritual leaders such that one of the qualifications in 1 Timothy 3 is that if you cannot manage and do not manage your own household, then you're not qualified as a spiritual leader. To be a spiritual leader is contingent upon your ability to proactively manage your own household. Each of these demonstrate that passivity is at times the kryptonite to godly masculinity. Passivity corrupts men. Sometimes it's a lack of knowledge. Sometimes it's that you're around very strong personalities. Perhaps even your wife has a very strong personality. And so you're just like, fine, you do it. I'm not doing it. The reality is that God has called you as a man to do it. And you need to take initiative to step up your game. A passive man who struggles to demonstrate proactivity generally is not a bad person. Generally, they're not unkind. They're quieter, soft-spoken, more easygoing. They're not pushing for their own way. They're not domineering for sure. But the reality is that even though there may be a general kindness, there's something problematic still. God has called men to be proactive and to take initiative. Act like a man, nourish your wife, lead your wife, be devoted to the kingdom, provide for your families, men, protect them, and be a spiritual leader if the Lord has called you to that First Timothy 3, Titus 1. So how do we get there? How do we get from point A to point B? First of all, I think it's a matter of prayer and that we're asking God to do this work in us, just like being courageous and pure and honoring women. This is something that God has to change within us. Remember, character is not something I just push a button and it's automatically different. If I am sensing that I need to step up my game in a few ways, or perhaps I'm involved with those, I have sons, brothers, dads, counselees that really have to step up their game, then the reality is it starts with an act of the Lord beginning to give us that nudge that we do need to change and we need to get better at this. But let me give you practical steps to take. Number one, listen and act. Listen to what you need to be doing and act for that. Remember, passivity is knowing what to do and not doing it. You know what you should have done. When we're being proactive, we're saying, you know what? I should probably step up and take this one. I need to step up and take this extra project at work. I need to recognize that my wife isn't feeling well today, so I need to step up with the kids. I recognize that my sister in Christ over there is carrying multiple bags of groceries, and so I'm going to take initiative to say, hey, can I help you? When I look and listen, it gives me the opportunity to step up and take action. If I don't listen, then I'm going to be in my own world. I'm not going to be paying attention and I'm not going to take the initiative that I can take. Number two, I'm convinced that many times we as men actually have an internal nudge to say I should help her. I should step up and do this. 
I know I shouldn't sit on the couch longer, but I'm tired. You have that internal nudge. And I would argue, don't neglect it. When you're sitting on the couch and you're like, man, I know my wife asked me to do this before I get too tired tonight. At that moment, you need to say, boom, I'm getting up. This isn't right. I can't continue. I'm going to get sleepy and I'm going to be done if I'm not careful. Don't wait. Listen to the nudge. Be willing to take action. And before long, that will just be what you do. You out of habit respond and you out of habit say, hey, she needs help. I'm helping her. Hey, my boss wants me to do this, so I'm going to do this without being asked. Hey, this is what I was told before, so I'm going to do it again today. That is what it looks like to not wait. Don't neglect the nudge, man. Don't neglect the nudge. Number three, cultivate the skill that you're missing. Some of us don't know what we are supposed to be doing, so we don't do it. Let's go back to the illustration. So I have a son currently who is 12. And if there were an occasion where he's getting lippy with my wife, at times I can be like, I don't hear it. Not my problem. I'm trying to leave. No. Okay. Parenting entails skills where I say something like, hey, son, I know you may disagree with what your mom's asked you to do, but she's your mom. And I expect you to respect her as your mom and also as my wife. But learning that skill is something that we have to do. If you don't have the skill of conflict resolution or you're struggling with parenting skills, you're struggling with communication skills, then it's not acceptable for you to say, I don't know, so I'm not going to do it. You have to learn the skill and then practice it. If you need help with your parenting, get help. It's totally possible. There are great biblical counseling resources out there. If you need help with your communication, get help. If you need help with conflict resolution, get help. You have to cultivate the skill, but do not enable some form of thinking that says, I don't know, so I'm not going to do it. Be proactive to learn the skill and then practice it. Number four, and I gave a lecture, I think it was two years ago in North Carolina about passive husbands. And at the end of the lecture, folks came up and asked me really helpful, insightful, and clarifying questions. They said, yes, Dr. Gifford, but what about when someone else, sometimes a wife or a mom or a strong father, what about when someone else keeps taking the responsibility of what you should be doing as a man? And I thought, you know what, that's a really insightful question because sometimes passive men are passive because they're married to really strong women who try to take over their lane. Or sometimes they're really overbearing parents And so the son is just trying to be free, but the parents are breathing down their neck and kind of micromanaging. Number four, and lastly, for how we practically cultivate taking initiative and being proactive is that at times we have to let others know that, hey, this is my responsibility and I need to take care of this and I appreciate your help, but the Lord expects me to do this. Let me call my boss. Let me call my professor. Let me lead the kids in family discipleship. Let me do this because this is what God's calling me to do. That conversation may not always be easy, but as a passive man, let me communicate this. If you let someone else do what God's calling you to do, you're still failing. Even if they're doing a good job at it, you're still failing. God has called you to do that thing and you cannot passively let someone else take over, even if that's easier or more convenient for you. So if you sense that someone else is struggling to know their role, then you have to verbalize and articulate, hey, I appreciate your help, but I really need to be the one taking care of that. Thank you so much. 
So may God honor that as you do that. May God honor the fact that you are doing your best to be who he's calling you to be. And at times there may be a momentary friction in a relationship with parents or with a spouse. But as a man, we're saying, hey, this is what God's called me to do, and I need to step up my game and do it. What makes a man and not a woman, it's that he's willing to take initiative to do what needs to be done without being told to do it. He doesn't need to be micromanaged. He doesn't need his mom and his wife to manage his life. And I would suggest that a man is acting very unmanly whenever he's being passive. It's an unmanly man. So when you consider these character traits and these aspects, I hope you're writing them down. I hope maybe even you have like a bulletized list. Some of you are parenting young men. How are you going to be able to communicate this to them? A man's pure, courageous, honors women, is proactive. As we continue this series, we'll have six total. I'm hoping that they'll become somewhat of milestones or columns to help you recall. What does it mean to be a man? What does it look like that God has called us to be as men in the 21st century? And then naturally, how can we do it? Let me pray for us that God would make us faithful to do this. Lord, I pray for the men that are listening to this episode that they would sense a duty to take initiative. And if they have a a strong woman in their life, may they love that woman and honor her, but may they not shirk their responsibility to that lady. If there's a mom or a dad in the life of the individuals listening, I pray that you would help them to learn how to wisely and lovingly say, Mom and Dad, I appreciate your input, but I need to do this. This is up to me. Lord, it's not easy at times to take initiative because we love comfort as men. We love peace. We've got a lot going on and we're tired. And we'd rather just check out for a second than take initiative and do what you're calling us to do, to be an active dad, to parent well, to love our wives, to be leaders in our churches, to be kind to our neighbors, to be diligent in stewarding what you've given to us. But may you, by your grace, make us faithful men men that bless those that are around us because we take initiative and we take initiative because we want to be the man that you've called us to be. Help us to be proactive man for your glory and the good of our own lives and those that are around us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.